Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Investing Unscripted, the podcast where we get real with real estate investors and other experts throughout the industry. I'm your co-host, Brendan Bennett. Uh, and usually with me is our other co-host, David Dugan. But David is actually on the road in Columbus, meeting with borrowers, shaking hands, kissing babies, getting some business. So today we have a special guest co-host and a former guest of the show, Doug Dvorak, VP of Capital Markets. Doug, welcome back to the show. Uh, how you feeling? being on the other side of the table, asking the questions instead of getting interrogated. How's it feel? Hey, Brendan. Feels good. Good to be back. Big shoes to fill. Obviously, same initials, so maybe that bodes well. But uh, asking the question should be a breeze, given how knowledgeable our two guests are in the market we're going to be talking about. We'll be discussing all things Texas real estate investing and how that economy has been moving and shaking throughout 2023. So um, this all came about after our sponsorship of the Zonda Q4 market outlook, uh, housing market outlook specifically, focusing on the Texas market. So we'll be going over some information we heard and adding our two cents. Yes, sir. So really excited to, to dive into the conversation here. Um, instead of a super lengthy intro, we have two guests today. Uh, I'm going to give the quick spark notes in each of the guests, and then I'll give them each a minute or so to fill you guys in on, on wherever I missed. So our first guest is a repeat guest on the show. His first episode was one of our most listened to episodes to date. Uh, we have Donovan Adesero, Investor Relations Director here at Upright, and also an active builder and developer in the Houston market with over 30 units built in the last year. The, the number might be a little bit shy. I'll let Donovan uh, fill me in on that later. And our second guest is Bridget Tyndall. She is local to the Dallas market, uh, has a pretty extensive background in the insurance franchising industry prior to joining the Upright team. Uh, she's a current territory manager for us for several of our Texas metros, but a specialization in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Donovan and Bridget, welcome to the show. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Bridget, if you would be kind enough, uh, I know I did a really short and sweet intro. Give the the listeners a little bit of background on who you are, what your role for Upright is, and how much you know about Texas. Yeah, I'm excited to be on today to speak just to the market, which is very much just a reflection of all my meetings with A1 operators, um, builders, developers, fix and flippers, and primarily the DFW market is where... I reside, but I also will go into the Houston and Austin, San Antonio markets as needed. But it's cool because these guys eat, sleep, breathe real estate with boots on the ground. So just hearing it directly from the source. I love it. Donovan, give us uh, a little bit more info about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, the, I think the first episode, I dive deep into it, so I'll keep it short. But yeah, one of the switched over to the investor relations side since my last time joining the show. Um, it's been super exciting talking to our investors who earning monthly passive income through our kind of outsourced due diligence arm for them, right? Where, where we can underwrite the loans and give them some some passive income to enjoy. So yeah, looking forward to talking about Texas today. So as Doug mentioned earlier, uh, we got some really cool statistics and other learnings from this Zonda webinar that that Upright sponsored recently. We had Nick Schoolis, who's an economist at Zonda, on one of our earlier episodes, uh, maybe six months to a year ago at this point. And we also did another market recap for the DMV market with uh, Antonio and Ryan on the team. So what we're looking to do is Doug and I want to share different learnings with you guys that came out of that webinar and have a discussion based on your guys' each unique experience to Texas, Donovan, especially to Houston and Bridget, especially to, to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and see what kind of colorful discussions we can have and how that's uh, related to your guys' day-to-day within Upright, but also the things that you guys are doing uh, on the side in real estate as well. Yeah, I love listening to Allie Wolf. Obviously, you know, her bringing in guests um, like the gentleman from J.P. Morgan um, on this most recent webinar, you know, they, they touched a lot on, obviously, the national market, but 
specifically just the markets within Texas, which can vary so greatly, starting to see that between Houston and Austin. With housing inventory down 3 million to 5 million units, depending on where you're reading, and rates continuing to climb, and, and obviously difficult to plan around some of the volatility we've been seeing in the markets. Very broadly speaking, Donovan, how would you say that's affecting the Dallas-Fort Worth and the Houston markets that you reside in? Obviously, 2020 and 2021 were just blowing and going, right? I mean, anything you put on the market would, would sell instantly. And now it's it's slowed down a little bit in the sense of it may, instead of you getting 10 offers, you may get two. So things are still progressing. Just again, like you mentioned, due to the deficit of inventory, um, there's still the population growth is still strong, as Ali mentioned on the podcast. Um, so I think Texas is a little, little insulated and in, in the sense of compared to like a, you know, California or a, a Washington, where we just have the population growth supporting that uh, those prices staying somewhat elevated. But yeah, so hopefully that answers it a little bit. Yeah. And so some of that population growth, I think, you know, they, they talk about kind of the uh, the lag behind actually, you know, migrating to these cities and then starting to build their roots and, and move, you know, get their job and get their feet under them and then to purchase their properties and seeing, you know, some of those jobs that are being taken more in the uh, the blue collar spheres, if you will, suggesting that perhaps affordability may not be in that higher luxury space and those higher price points. Are, are you uh, seeing more of the same kind of with pivots with developers in your area, with your own developments uh, to maybe some more modestly priced uh, homes that can weather the, the, real, the, uh, the interest rate storm? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you mentioned, I think that's part of the reason why Austin's getting hit a little bit harder than Houston and Dallas is because a lot of the tech jobs are obviously in Austin um, and a lot of the blue collar jobs, obviously Houston and, and Dallas. So yeah, I mean, you know, sticking to that really sub 500k, sub 600k range in, in Dallas and well, in Houston, especially in Dallas, it might be a little sub 700. But yeah, I think that's really where we're seeing a lot of activity. I think on the the very low end of things, it's hurting hurting buyers, right? If you're the lowest price point, you know, two fifty, just a little bit tougher to qualify. But I think if you're in that slightly, I'd say median price point, which in Houston is about three to three hundred to four fifty, um, stuff is still moving. You know, maybe with a, a right. five ten k seller concession, but still moving. And Bridget, from your perspective, are you seeing a lot of the developers that you're meeting with in the the Dallas Fort Worth area? Are are they getting nervous at all about the eight percent interest rates? Obviously, rates have been on the rise since uh, early this year. Have you seen people pivoting? Are they, you know, maybe switching from a rent and refi exit strategy where they're selling most of their their product that they're bringing to market? Um, what kind of things have you picked up from those guys? I would say here, 90% of my book of business is all new construction and majority of the builders that I'm meeting with, like, for example, yesterday I met with a builder and their price range on the market right now is $1.2 to $3 million homes. And she's she's a realtor, her husband's the builder and 68%. So from last quarter, 68% of the people that walked their homes were all cash buyers that didn't wow. need any type of other financing. So that's just they're seeing they're building spec homes that are two, three. Even I have a guy that builds seven million dollar spec mm. homes in this market, and they're still going off the shelves. But it's very much still proving like they do say it can sit longer on the market, but they are still very much in a seller's market of it being yeah. able to keep their asking price and lead the negotiation. Yeah, that, that's a great point, and kind of brings up a open question for any of the three guys. I'm, I'm curious, maybe there's some data on this or what you guys just think. To Bridget's point, if you get to a certain level, your buyer pool is a little bit different, right? Where they're they're likely coming with a 50% down payment, and in some cases, like Bridget said, 100%. 
where do you guys feel like in Houston and Dallas, what is that threshold, right? So like, when do you reach that upper echelon of buyer where the 8% interest rates are not as um, impactful to like the speed at which a property gets sold? I would say 900,000, 800, 900,000 past that. Um, but that's just feedback from literally people in market and what they're telling yeah. you in the meetings. Yeah, I'd probably echo that. I mean, a little bit less in Houston, probably again, like above the, the six, 700 mark. But, you know, in that in between market, I think Bridget brings up a good point. It's like, you know, for Houston, like five to six to 650 is where I think it's a little, little slow because you're like, Payment's going to be X amount higher. Why don't I just mm. get slightly smaller product and pay four fifty, and my payment would be the same as a year ago when rates were at four if I bought something at six fifty. So right. I think that's right. some of the um, the math that these buyers are doing. Yeah, that was something interesting from the, the webinar itself, specifically touching on incentives, right? And so you know, going a lot further to buy down the interest rate or to you know put money towards those closing costs, or yeah, I mean just helping with with the the cost of kind of furnishing a new property and, and getting in there and, and feeling comfortable kind of with the initial investment there to make it your own. Touching on something a little bit unique, and, and Donovan, I know you've been doing this for a while, but something that seems to be spreading throughout Texas is, is you know, uh, is the uh, the zoning laws there, right? So, you know, ultimately, Houston has been a very developer-friendly state or city, if you will, in regards to allowing multifamily properties to infill and to attack that significant supply shortage. We saw that compounded this this month. It'll actually be initiated, but compounded by some Fannie Mae policy that'll allow a lower down payment for some of those future house hackers, right, that are, that will be the end buyers for some of those units. Curious to kind of hear, Donovan, I guess you were kind of at the forefront of it in, in Houston, but hear how uh, you think this policy could even spark a, a, a more drastic investment in, in these types of properties. And if you have any concerns with, with some of the, uh, you know, the, the trends that could emerge. Yeah, no, I'm obviously ecstatic about the, the upzoning <laughs> coming across, um, not just in Texas, right, but all over the country, right? We we saw it in Minneapolis, we're yep. seeing it in Washington. Um, so this this opportunity exists really nationwide at this point. Um, yeah, it's exciting because you know FHA has been the traditional you know mortgage product. If you were going to buy a, I'd say you could do conventional with a duplex, but if for sure if you're three to four units and you mm. were an owner occupant, you're almost always going FHA because the the down payments were 25% for a conventional mortgage, even as an owner occupant. And the other thing with FHA is you have to it has to meet the self sufficiency test, and what that means is the other units in the uh, in the, the structure have to essentially right. cover your mortgage. So, for example, if you have a triplex, those other two units that you're not in. They have to generate enough income to cover your mortgage payment to meet FHA's requirements. Now, with the the five percent down conventional, there's no longer that that I guess constraint, right? So it should lead to more buyers being able to qualify, and with the upzoning, should allow more developers to actually build and hopefully, you know, help help combat the housing shortage. So yeah, I'm super excited. And Bridget, it might be a little bit too soon, just given it just went into effect, I think later this month or maybe right now in November, have you started to get more requests for funding on those two, three and four unit properties yet in the Dallas area? Or do you anticipate to see more of that now that there's probably a little bit more liquidity in the space for buyers on that two to four unit product? Sure, definitely. We get a ton of requests for if they can just get more bang for their buck and somehow even split up the lot more to make it multifamily. And Donovan, are you seeing the same thing in your area? Some of the other competing builders, maybe they're, uh, you know, if they were doing a lot of single family, is there more 
people rushing to the space to do two to four units where they otherwise would have done maybe a townhome or maybe they would have done a, a sub development or something of the sort. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're seeing there's one builder in particular who we, we both build in the, a similar area. They've traditionally done single family homes and they, they do a, a heck of a job. They pretty much almost switched exclusively to duplexes. So now they're building them a little bit bigger than I am. But yeah, they're realizing that, you know, there's just a lot less competition. So, you know, if you're going to sell these things, you're competing with maybe, you know, maybe one or two other builders versus if, you know, single family homes, you're competing with Pulte, you know, DR right. Horton, right? There's just so many single family homes um, that, yeah, just a little bit, a little bit easier potentially. And then to add on to what Bridget was saying, I think Dallas has some upzoning in the works, or I believe it might've already passed where, and I'll have, to, I'll have to double check on that. But yeah, I would expect Bridget to see a lot more requests kind of in the next year or so um, with those these new reforms coming. It helps to have some cash flow, right? Especially, you know, you have insurance premiums, not only in Texas, but insurance premiums continuing to skyrocket and, and uh, restricting, you know, affordability there. Touching on that a bit, you know, high, rising housing expenses in general, how do you both feel this is affecting kind of the real estate industry at large in Texas? Yeah, it's making it you know, tougher, obviously, in combination with the rates, you know, because as most buyers do, right, we, we look at the, the total payment. So, you know, whether the house is 250000 or 500000 mostly what you're probably going to be concerned with is what is the ultimate payment between the mortgage, you know, PITI, principal insurance, taxes and interest. So, you know, definitely slowing things down a little bit. I think in Houston, we're starting to get used to the slightly elevated insurance. Um, it's been here for a couple of years now. But yeah, on the property tax side, I think there was there was some relief through the uh, I'm not sure which exact body of of government enacted some sort of property tax relief, but there was a a, a statewide um, thing passed in Texas to um, help alleviate for homeowners. So it's making it tougher. But again, you know, ultimately what the rent what these buyers are doing is comparing it relative to to renting a home, right? Do I want to rent this apartment for six seven more years and, and not have any equity built up or Am I willing to maybe stomach a little bit higher of a payment due to interest and property taxes in order to start building that you know generational wealth that I think everyone's kind of trying right. to to seek? So, and I think another main focus of the webinar they they, they hit a lot on uh, Dallas proper, Houston proper, like all the major metros that everyone uh, can kind of recognize in a, in a headline. Um, what I'm curious to get from you guys, so Bridget, for you for Dallas first. Um, what are some of these like sub markets outside of um, downtown Dallas or downtown Fort Worth that you see heating up? You're seeing a lot of your developers go to. Can you mention just a couple of those areas and maybe what's so attractive about that suburb that's drawing a lot of attention by the builders? Yeah, like Terrell County, Denton County, Coppell, like all of these areas just around DFW that are growing. Like there are cities in itself, Frisco, Plano, like those are all bringing in headquarters like PGA, FedEx, Amazon's building a new warehouse. So not only is just the focus like, oh, Dallas proper, um, all of those are bringing in even more, just more people into those areas, making its own little mini metros. Yeah. And you're seeing some of your builders probably being able to find land at a little bit cheaper cost, 20, 30, 40 minutes out from the city. They're still able to get that commuter that is still traveling into Dallas or into Fort Worth, um, maybe a little bit better cost to build. And you're starting to see a lot of people push out to that area. Are you seeing house prices in that kind of suburb area a little bit more in that like three to 600K starter, mid-starter home range, Bridget? Or what would you say the, the range is there? Yeah, I would definitely say like Sherman, that area has been blowing up right now. And I think they brought that up on the Zonda 
podcasts, like definitely you can get a starter home out there for 280 to 350. If you're looking more of like a Plano Frisco area, those are already so developed in itself um, that that's starting to look more like a Dallas proper pricing of upward of five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars just for your starter home. Gotcha. Donovan, for you in Houston, what are, what are some of the areas that you're seeing either that you're building in or that you're seeing some of your competitors build in that uh, maybe are a little bit overlooked that, that are not as, as sexy on paper? Yeah. So one that immediately comes to mind is a, a place called Magnolia, Texas, which I barely heard of it until <laughs> like a week ago. So I know probably nobody listening to this has heard of it unless you're living there. Um, but that's My been family lives there. Oh well, sorry, Bridget. No, no offense there. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure it's yeah, it's a great area. I think what happened was it was a place where um, builders had scooped up some relatively cheap dirt, and I'd say relatively meaning probably at a 50, 60, 70 percent discount compared to what you can get an infill lot in in Houston proper. And I think what we're seeing is that because they they built up these master plan communities, not only can you get an affordable price point home, meaning like low 300s or high 280s, but they also have great school districts. So that's what we're, mm. that's what I'm seeing is a place that's overlooked that not many people are, um, have been looking to build besides the the big guys like, you know, Pulte, DR Horton, whatnot. Yeah. Definitely Magnolia. Cause like my grandfather's business is like, in, it's in Magnolia, but it's the very back of the woodlands. So it's right there, 2978 um, and 1488. So you're basically in the woodlands, which as everyone knows is like prime real estate to get. So if they can just be five minutes outside of that, it's like a win-win for them. Yeah. And just to add on to that, for the, the Woodlands, for everyone who doesn't know, ExxonMobil, obviously the, the huge oil and gas company, they pretty much bought up that entire place like 20, 30 years mm. ago. And they built up that entire place almost single-handedly. Nice. Um, and so it's become a really high income, high, you know, great schools, right? Great everything. They have all the amenities you would want. Um, and so I think that's part of the draw too, like Bridget mentioned, because it's how close it is to the woodlands. You could live in Magnolia, commute to the woodlands, still have your kids go to a great school district, but still get a great price point. Yeah, on the back end, Donovan, you talked about in the beginning, you know, joining the investor relations team that's near and dear to my heart over on Capital Markets as we, we disposition these loans. And I think a lot of what we've already touched on is going to answer your question here. But we continue to see as our, our platform grows in size uh, significantly month over month that the Texas properties that we put up there are, are typically the first, if not the second or third properties to be taken down uh, in the same day due, due to uh, being filled up by passive investors that just see the opportunity and, um, you know, believe in the, 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 the fair risk adjusted return for that market and for, you know, the, the planned execution to, to sell that property, to execute on it first and foremost and to sell it. Um, but specifically, you know, wanted to ask you, those passive investors, those accredited investors at Upright.us uh, that, are, that are investing in the Texas markets, what do you think that one, they're they're looking for and prioritizing, and you know why are these markets ultimately so valuable to them? Yeah, for sure. I guess first off, shout out to the IR team. I mean, we're up over to two hundred million active dollars invested um, into these deals. So, I mean, the investors are are liking it. We're pushing out tons of money each month in distribution. So it's it's a great time. Um, but obviously, kind of like to the the points you alluded to, Doug. You know, when you have a a market that's you know affluent are constantly growing, population growth, job growth, the same reasons why our borrowers like it, the same reason why Upright likes it are going to be the same reasons why the investors ultimately like it as well. So um, they love Texas. Um, they obviously love a, a few of the other southern states as well, right, like the Carolinas and, and whatnot. But I think Texas in particular has a, has a good draw because of the affordability. Obviously, Houston and Dallas are some of the 
I think, highest populated cities, but also most affordable, right. right? So if you, I think it goes, you know, New York, LA, Chicago, Houston, right? And if you looked at the, the median price point for those, you'd see a huge dip when you get right. got to Houston. So there's that kind of mindset going into it, like where are people going to move and continue to move? And I think they're, they're kind of playing that, that long game. Yeah. And to add to that, I, I think that the same appetite that our accredited investors have, our institutional partners have as well. And so, you know, a lot of that is, is just the fact that you know, we, we've been a, a, a new construction heavy shop for a, a while, I would say. Uh, but, you know, Texas just lends itself to that even further. And so by mitigating that that risk of not knowing what you're going to come across mid-project and that could throw your budget out of whack or, or really cause a delay in, in the term of, of completion and exit, you know, it's, it's, it's something that uh, we really couldn't originate fast enough in the Texas markets, I would say, so. And to that point, I think what's really interesting is, Bridget, you've been part of the team for, you know, a quarter, quarter and a half. And I think you guys have already found a lot of success in finding quite a bit of origination volume in a short period of time. So we've been in some of these other markets for, you know, three, four, five, seven years in some cases. And I'm looking at our quarterly numbers right now. Texas is in like second or third right now for our total originations by state. So I think it speaks to what Doug and, and Donovan are saying, where the appetite is there on the back end from the capital market standpoint, but you're definitely seeing the appetite from builders, developers, flippers. On the, on the other hand, can you just speak to that a little bit of the different types of investors that you're working with? Are, are most of them new construction builders? And if so, are they doing townhomes? Like what's contributing to the success that you guys are finding in Texas? Building anything and everything um, just because of the shortage and the demand and every everyone wants to come to Texas now. I think the secret's <laughs> more than out. Um, but I would say like, or just getting more bang for your buck. Like here in Texas, you can take an actual structured house down that's purchase it for 85K and then knock it down and sell something for 350, 400,000. Um, so just speaking to like those numbers, I think that's why, like from the passive investor point, why people are so wanting to put their money in the DFW market. Um, and then I would say just for me, it's 90% all new construction, sticks and bricks, pop them up, um, as quickly as they can and get it on the market. <laughs> and most of my builders are all pre-selling their yeah. stuff, even though I know the whole consensus is like things are sitting on the market longer. Like the more that they're putting themselves out on social media and already having the realtors like tapped in, they've been noticing that they're able to pre-sell most of their stuff directly off the market with cash buyers. One other question I have kind of for all three of you guys, both Donovan and Doug from the investor relations capital market side and, and Bridget, if you have any knowledge on the uh, the Austin uh, market, what was interesting in the Zonda webinar is they said, while Austin was predicted in 2023 to have some of the worst metrics out of all the metros in Texas, they said that it wasn't as bad as it seemed. So like people were ex- assuming a 20% decline and in a certain statistic only went down 10%. Are you guys seeing that people, while it is declining still, it's better than expectations, is their liquidity coming back to Austin in a little bit more of a meaningful way? Are we seeing demand from capital partners? Donovan, are you getting phone calls from accredited investors asking about Austin? And Bridge, I know you've, you've looked at a couple loans in Austin. I think we've, we've written a couple. So Donovan, Doug, first, can you guys give me your perspective then, Bridge? And I'm curious to get yours after. Yeah, I'll, I'll start here. I mean, we've never been out of Austin from a capital markets perspective. It's mainly just, you know, when you have a period of uncertainty, you have to rely back to you know on experience right and so you're you're attracting a higher caliber a more proven developer and perhaps being a little bit more cautious on overall arvs you know we do have trouble in texas being a non-disclosure state really getting real-time information on 
actual sale prices at the time that those sales go through. So a lot of it is historic information um, that may be three, four, six months old on the actual sale prices or using listings to really determine, you know, what is this developer truly going to sell this property at when he's finished with the project? And so uh, you really rely on experience there. You perhaps dial back a little bit on leverage during a period of uncertainty. But, you know, to your point, we've, we've started to see that subside. And, and so Austin's not going anywhere. We've all spent a lot of time there individually. I think we would all move down there. I, I personally <laughs> know that, that I would, um, family aside. But, you know, the, uh, the the demand is there and it's back. And so, you know, it's it, it's never gone away. And, and you know, our through our passive investors, I don't necessarily want to answer this for you, Donovan, but we're, they're trusted. They're trusting us to really attract those types of developers. And so as we put, you know, one of four that we've originated in that market onto the platform, uh, they're seeing the same things that we've underwritten to, which is that experience, is that leverage point, is that uh, that buffer, if you will, on, on what that ultimate value, that, that after repair value is going to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Just to add on to that, obviously, as I mentioned to all of our, our credit investors, we have such an amazing underwriting team where they're seeing what things are are doing in real time, right? And so because we're lending at 65 to 70% of what the final value is going to be, say we lend at the property is going to be worth a million, we lend at 600, 700,000, maybe the developer sells it at 900,000. Not ideal for the developer, right? But our loan is more than protected, right? So I think that's some of the, the conversations I'm having. Like, yeah, maybe the developer had to contribute 20K for seller closing, but there's still plenty of cushion um, from from our loan standpoint, mm. which I think you know helps investors feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, adding to that again, new construction, right? So the the chances of of really uncovering a, a large expense that you didn't scope out and factor in on the initial underwrite is few and far between, and so you know mm. our investors can feel comfortable with that cushion. Yeah, and Bridget, what are you seeing from demand from borrowers with uh, loans and projects in Austin? I would say that it's definitely picked up, but majority of my inquiries have been the townhomes for the Austin market, all new construction. Yeah, that makes sense. To add on to that, I think Austin just recently upzoned, or they they went to a Houston style um, minimum lot size. So up until last week, their minimum lot size was fifty seven hundred. Um, as of I think this week, it's twenty five hundred. So a place where you could fit one home, you can fit two. So we likely we'll be seeing more inquiries from Austin. And the nice part about that is because the smaller lot size, they can probably sell it for less. So they can help kind of keep those values a little bit on the lower end and uh, be able to exit those projects even quicker. Awesome. So a big value prop that we have at Upright is, you know, we're founded by a real estate investor. A lot of us are real estate investors or have passions in real estate. So I'm curious to get your guys' perspective. Donovan, I know you hit this on the last podcast a little bit, but maybe now having a little bit more time in the IR seat, how does your experience as a developer uh, show through on the phone or show through in the meetings that you have with accredited investors? And Bridget, how does your background in insurance uh, and in some cases, property insurance and also your passion for real estate and the fact that you're in market, which is pretty unique, not, not a ton of lenders actually have sales reps in market that kind of get the beat on the street. Can you guys each touch on how that shows through to the customers you interact with on a day-to-day basis, Donovan, if you can kick us off? Yeah, I think for me, obviously sitting in the, the IR seat, being able to explain to the credit investors who may have not done too many real estate projects themselves, like what is going through the borrower's mind in terms of, you know, why do they want to do this project? Or let's say they're they let's say they see a project on the platform that's fifty percent completed okay, what does that mean? 50% of the rehab is completed. Why Why should I care? What does that mean to me? 
Well, that means, you know, half of the execution risk is essentially off the table, right? If they've completed more than half of the rehab, they only have a little bit more to go. They're on the home stretch. You can probably feel a little bit more comfortable compared to the beginning when there was Mm. nothing completed um, about how their project's ultimately going to finish. So that's some of the insight I try to give just to maybe explain a little bit what's going on in some of the deals that we have on the platform. I would say for me being in market, they want all the tea. Like they want to (laughs) know, they want to know about like what the builder in the next lot is doing or what is the take on what are these guys' next project going to be? Or can you give me intel on the lots who bought the lots across the street? Like now we want to buy the lots over here. So I think just like Mm. having the boots on the ground, they're able to almost filter through what everyone else in market is thinking just because they're not necessarily always interacting um, with other builders or with other like real estate professionals in market because they're so zoned in on their own business models. Um, And I think a value prop for us is just we try to mirror the borrower's process and fully understand how does their business cash flow? How do they want their draws? How do they get their materials? What is their end goal for the project? So by us being able to understand that as a partner on the funding side is really crucial and I think is not found or is at least few and far in between with the other lenders in market. No offense to the competition, but... Absolutely. I, I think, and Doug, this speaks to your point earlier, right? If Bridget's boots on the ground in Dallas, she she knows the ins and outs of the main markets and sub markets. If she gets a deal in an area that's a little bit uh, less desirable, you might not be able to see that on an appraisal. You might not be able to see that on an underwriting loan tape. But Bridget will have that context by being in market, talking to other investors that have tried that strategy in that area that flows all the way down to you and Donovan and Capital Markets and IR, where other investors that might be local to that area that would otherwise put money towards that deal are saying, hey, why did you guys do that deal? So I think it's really important we have both sides of the house talking. I think it's what we've gotten really good at. Um, Bridget becoming a specialist on her side and then sharing that information all the way down so Donovan has the right information on the IR side. Yeah, that feeds through our performance, right? I mean, it's a reason why a lot of our institutional partners have been with us for the long haul. It's a reason why a lot of our accredited investors continue to earn a significant amount of income here during their retirement years and and earlier, right, is is because of that insight. They're not bringing us deals that they don't believe in. Um, but this pumps me up. You know, you guys both fill such, you know, a large piece of the puzzle to your respective customer. I mean, Donovan, you're filling in gaps in understanding. They have the access to the, the asset class. They have the money to invest in it. Uh, they just don't know what they don't know, right? And so you, you're able to fill that. And, and so they're able to do well while, while they're doing good, if you will, right? And, you know, Bridget, to your to your point, again, like, being able to be that their eyes and ears for the capital space, you know, what what these uh, lenders care about, what the capital markets care about it from these developers, what they need to show, um, how they should button up and spend their time uh, to make sure they're presenting as, as strong a project as possible when they're looking to get financing. And then being able to play that that contact within the space to truly be somebody they can lean on to, you know, expand their reach and uh, perhaps get a little bit of a, nuggets of information from from uh, some of their competitors or, or fellow developers. So that's exciting. Yeah. I love it. All right, guys, we're going to move on to uh, the speed round. Before we jump into it, how much do you guys think you know about Texas? Bridget and Donovan, you guys feel Texas experts? Yeah, Maybe. Yeah. Bridget doesn't run away with this one. <laughs> I, I All right. Know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So we got, we, got, uh, we got six or seven questions for you guys. Doug and I go back and forth asking, and I think, I think we'll go one at a time. So I'll, Bridget, I'll throw a question to you. Don, we'll throw a question to you. We'll see who gets the most of them right at the end. Maybe if there's a tie, we'll have to come up with a tiebreaker on the fly, Doug. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Give me the easiest one. All right. So first question, I can't get this to Donovan because he definitely should know that, but largest city in Texas by population, Bridget. 
Houston. One point for Bridget. That's, that's an easy one there, Brendan. That's an easy one. That's easy. I know. All right, guys. All right, Darvin, what, what Texas city is nicknamed Cowtown? Cowtown. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Um, all of them? I mean, uh, let's see. San Antonio? Spanish for Cowtown. It is Fort Worth, actually. Yeah, I would have never guessed that. I, I, wonder, I wonder what the history behind that is. I don't know. We'll have to ask uh, the, the producer stockyards. later. The stockyards. Is it? The, okay. I think. Like, all if right. you go to Fort Worth, like. You'll see there's like cows walking all <laughs> around the stockyard. See, uh, this, yeah. this is this is why we have Bridget. She's She's got all the, the facts for Texas. Bridget, yeah. second question to you. What is the official state dish of Texas? Even I know this one. Chili. 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 She's, all right. She's going up 2-0, Donovan. 2-0. Goodness, I'm getting killed. Donovan, what is the name of the popular dance associated with Texas? <laughs> A line dance? I... I feel like that's close, but it's not the tech- Bridget. See if you can steal. The two-step. Texas two-step. Oh, that's my it. Gosh. Yeah. I'm not much of a dancer. <laughs> All right. Donovan, I'll give, you a, I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself here. Let's see if you get this one. Which Texas lake is the largest man-made lake? Lake Travis? Lake no. Houston? <laughs> Bridget, you know that one? Is it a name? Is it a name it's, of somebody? Nah. Mm, could be. I don't think so. A largest lake, man-made? Lake Texoma? Anybody? Does that sound Texacoma? familiar? Texacoma? Is that what it is? I think it's just Texoma. Unless it's okay, yeah, name. I wouldn't have known that. But I'm not okay. a lake person, really. So. These are too hard. I know. Donovan, I should uh, I should caveat. Donovan is from Minnesota. He's recently relocated to Texas, so this is a little bit unfair advantage to Bridget, but we'll, we'll, we'll roll with <laughs> it. It's all good. It. It's all, good. Uh, all right, Doug, hit him with the last question. All right, Bridget, which Texas river is the longest? The longest is the San... No, the Rio. The Rio Grande, right? No? Brazos River? Oh. Is that the same? We might need to fact check the answers to these questions. I've been been to Texas like once, so I I don't... (laughs) I'm just going off... I'm going off the sheet. I don't really know. All right. I think we had a winner. Bridget, you are the the resident Texan. Congratulations to yourself. Thank you guys both for... uh, Jumping on the podcast with with Doug and I, the webinar shared a ton of really, really good information about Texas. We wanted to bring our resident experts on Texas onto the show to talk about it. Appreciate you guys joining. And before we sign off officially, Bridget, where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about our offerings on the loan side? Do you guys like drop my contact link or yeah, something? We, yeah, we can link it. Okay. Yeah. Or hit me up on Instagram, B underscore Tyndall. Feel free to call me with any questions or investment inquiries. Awesome. Donovan, to you, where can people learn more about you or get in touch with if they need to? Yeah, I mean, our our loans are available for any accredited investor to see on upright.us. But if you have any questions, just shoot me an email at donovan.adacero at upright.us and we'll get in, get on a phone call. Awesome. And Doug, a special thanks to you for jumping in as a, as a last second co-host. Appreciate you coming back around and uh, letting Dugan do his thing down in Columbus and hopefully drumming up some business for us today. Anything I can do to help. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure to let us know what you think or write in with specific suggestions or topics for the show at podcasts at upright.us. And a special thanks to Doug for stepping in to co-host today. To learn more about the housing market, check out our past episodes wherever you enjoy your podcast. And make sure to like and subscribe to Real Estate Investing Unscripted so you don't miss out on any episodes. And leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Flawless execution. Flawless execution.